Good morning. I'm Bryce Feitner, pastor of Green Street United Methodist Church, and I'm so glad you joined us for worship this morning. We're going to be talking about fishing, fishing with Jesus. I have a couple of special guests today, which you'll enjoy. And, um, you know, the first folks that Jesus called to follow him were fishermen. He called those folks while they were fishing by the Sea of Galilee. And uh, he said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And then early on in that ministry, he told them how to fish. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus told them to throw their net on the other side of the boat on deep water. And that's when they caught a lot of fish. And today our primary scripture reading has to do with a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus in John chapter 21 when Jesus appeared to them again while they were fishing and told them how to fish. And so here's a little song to start out about the calling of the first disciples, those fishermen just like you and I. Well, a man came from Galilee and walking beside the sea. He called some fishermen with nets in their hands. He called to them that day, and here's what he had to say. Come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. There was Simon caught Peter and his brother Andrew, James son of Zebedee and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew and Thomas and Matthew, James and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, Judas Iscariot, these twelve were called. Our scripture reading is from John 21, beginning with the first verse and reading through verses, reading through verse 14. And in context of the gospel, this is after the resurrection, of course. This is at the very end of John's gospel. And it is after Jesus has appeared after the resurrection in the upper room to the disciples. First, without Thomas present, and then after Thomas was present during that second appearance. And so this reading is after both of those events. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there were Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, then cast your net to the right side of the boat. You will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. 
When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he had been raised from the dead. May God add God's blessing to the reading of his holy word. I want to show you some photos of our Holy Land trip of the setting for this scripture we just read. This first photo is just a map of Israel, of northern Israel, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and you see several little bergs there. You see Tabcha, T-A-B-G-H-A, which is the site where this appearance of Jesus to the disciples after the resurrection occurred. But this is also the very same site where Jesus first called his disciples to be fishers of men. This is also the very same site where Jesus first told them how to fish. In Luke chapter 5, he said, throw your nets in deep water. And so many fish were caught that that boat began to sink. It's also the same place where Jesus appeared in our reading just now from John 21. You'll notice several little villages next to Tabcha, T-A-B-G-H-A again. You, some you may recognize, like Capernaum and Magdala. Magdala is where Mary Magdalene lived. And they're close to each other, all very close to the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And they're all within walking dist distance. And Magdala was a fish cleaning and fish packing village, if you will. And there's reasons, reasons why the fish industry developed in this area. And I'll show you why. This next photo is a photo of the northern shore along the Sea of Galilee that we took while we were there. And it's a freshwater lake. Some people don't realize that. The Sea of Galilee is freshwater. But what is unique about this particular area is that there are seven springs, warm water springs, that flow into the Sea of Galilee at this point. In fact, the name or the word Tabcha, T-A-B-G-H-A, means literally seven springs. And so these were warm springs, again, flowing into the Sea of Galilee. And while the Sea of Galilee is warm to begin with, it is in a warm climate, the water flowing in from these seven springs was even warmer. And so you see this photo of Eileen and Amanda wading there. The warm water made it nice for wading. And it also promoted algae growth, which is something fish liked. And where streams or springs enter other water bodies, other streams or other lakes, we know that it carries food for fish when that happens. And so many fishermen will tell you that these are good areas for fishing. And so that was true then at the time of Jesus. This was a good area for fishing. And it's probably true now. 
This next photo is of one of the varieties of fish that was popular in the Sea of Galilee. In fact, this one is called St. Peter's Fish. We actually ate some of these fish while we were in the Holy Land. They're a lot like a, a panfish, like a tilapia. But you may have noted in the reading we just did from John 21 that the disciples caught 153 fish after Jesus told them how and where to fish. And 153 is, is a significant number because at the time of Christ, people believed that there were 153 different varieties or different types of fish in the Sea of Galilee. This is a close-up of that church that is on the shore. I showed it from a distance in the previous slide. Uh, it's a holy site. And wherever there's a holy site in the Holy Land, someone builds a church. But this is a holy site. Again, because of some of those things I mentioned already, it's the place where the disciples were first called. Those fishermen were first called. It's also very near the site where the miracle multiplication of the loaves and fishes occur. There's also a different church built right there, but it's just around the corner. And it's a, this very site is where Jesus appeared in John 21. And so you might think that this site might be called something like, or this church might be called something like the Church of the Calling of the Disciples or something like that. In fact, it's called the Church of the Primacy of St. Peter. And um, the reason for that is, after the scripture reading that we read for today, that is when Jesus you know, asked Peter if Peter loved him three different times and, uh, and then said, follow me. And um, according to tradition, that's when Peter was restored to primacy or as the head apostle. And so um, that's why this church on this side is called the Church of the Primacy of St. Peter. This is a photo of the inside of that church. He's noticed the rock, the huge rock up by the altar. And according to tradition, that is the rock where Christ fed the disciples fish for breakfast in accordance with our scripture reading. This is a photo of the, uh, an artist's rendition of Jesus on the seashore cooking fish over charcoal. And he's pointing out at the boat where the disciples are, and he's telling them to cast their net to the right side of the boat. He's telling his disciples how to fish yet again. And um, fish for breakfast again. I wondered if that's perhaps what John was thinking. Not fish for breakfast again. Not fish for breakfast. Again, I imagine John was thinking that as he was out there in the boat looking at the shore as Jesus was cooking fish. Not fish for breakfast again. Don't you think fishermen ever got tired of eating fish? Well, that's not what I meant when I thought of that title for this message. I'll come back to that. You know, according to the gospel accounts, if you put all four of them together... Our Lord appeared a dozen times after the resurrection. 
and each appearance seemed to have a specific purpose. For example, when he appeared to the women first at the empty tomb on Easter morning, uh, one purpose was so the women could go tell the disciples, the men who were afraid to show their faces, what to do next and that Jesus had risen. You may recall from Matthew 28, during that resurrection scene, Jesus told the women at the tomb to go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And so the disciples listened and they did go to Galilee to see Jesus. Perhaps, perhaps that's why they're there now, fishing, so they could be part of this story and this other appearance. So that first appearance to the women certainly had a purpose, perhaps multiple purposes. And I think about those appearances earlier in the Gospel of John, just ahead of our reading this morning, those appearances in the upper room that demonstrates to us how far God will go to prove that God is real. Um, the first time he appeared, Thomas was not present. And then Thomas said he wouldn't believe unless he could see and touch the risen Savior. And so Christ appeared a second time and allowed Thomas to make to see and touch him and to make that great faith statement my Lord and my God and so there's a real purpose there I have a, a Jewish friend who became a Christian because he had an experience like that and so all of those appearances seem to have some purpose but now as I look at this John 21 appearance of Jesus cooking breakfast for his disciples. I'm thinking, what is the purpose of this post-resurrection appearance? Not breakfast, not fish for breakfast, again. Emphasis on again. You see, I imagine John the Apostle saying that when he saw this mystery person on the seashore. It was not a complaint about what was on the menu but rather it was John's first recognition that the Jesus Christ John knew in, a, in an active way in the past is also active now and will also be active in the future. And so as John saw somebody on that seashore telling the disciples how to fish, he recalled that earlier beginning moment when they were first called, recording in, recorded in Luke 5, throw the nets over there in the deep water. And then as John saw Jesus preparing fish and preparing to break bread with the disciples, well, they had just broken bread together. And John said, I, I've seen this before. I've, I've been here before. There's something familiar about this scene. It was a deja vu moment. You see, John had experienced Christ before. So even from way out in the boat, John knew that this was Jesus. Thank God for memories. Thank God for memories. These deja vu experiences with the risen Christ are so important in our own lives. Every time we remember, every time we remember and bring up that resurrection experience, we encounter the risen Christ again. And that is what sustains us through tough times when we may think or we may feel that God is absent. Perhaps 
the time we are in right now, you might ask, where is God in this coronavirus event? We need a resurrection experience so we can experience the risen Christ again right now. All we see, however, is this fog in the distance, this mystery person on a faraway shore. Think back to the first time you experienced the risen Savior. Or think to a more recent time, perhaps very recently. When that's why you have a memory. That's why God gave you memories. So that you can relive that experience and sustain you through difficult times. Because once you've experienced the risen Savior, I'll tell you, you will never forget it. You, you can repress it. You can try to put it behind you. But you will never forget a true experience with the risen Christ. I had a theology professor, a brilliant lady, a nun, educated at some of the finest theology schools in Europe. And during a systematic theology class, she told me once that in theology, memory is more important than the actual event. Memory is more important than the actual event. And I challenged her on that at the time. I was a young theology student, and I was very much into apologetics and facts. That was my understanding of faith. And But I'll tell you, as I've matured, hopefully as I've matured in faith, I see what a brilliant statement that was. Memory is more important than the actual event because it's the memory of those incredible experiences that sustain us through the tough times. Thank you, Sister Annalise, for that and so many other teachings. So think back to a time when you experienced the risen Savior. Remember that awesome experience and remember that that mystery person on the faraway shore is not such a mystery anymore. That mystery person will come into focus and not seem so far away as you recall your memories and your experiences with the risen Christ. And you'll begin to see the risen Christ and that he is preparing a meal for you, to break bread for you. And he may even be telling you how to fish because only our risen Savior can reveal to us what this fishing lesson is really all about. You could say that it was a lesson the disciples should have learned by now, especially since this was the second time they had fished all night with no luck, only to have Jesus provide more fish than they can handle. Now, I've heard lots of silly interpretations to this passage. <laughs> that, you know, certain folks are on the left side of the boat. Some folks are on the right side of the boat. I've even heard folks try to make some kind of political hay out of this. The right and the left, you know. Don't go there. I've seen enough of that kind of thinking on Facebook making their points to the right and the left around this coronavirus event. Don't go there. You see, Jesus had them catch 153 fish. Every single fish in the Sea of Galilee. 
You're one of those 153. I'm one of those 153. Every person needs Jesus Christ. Everyone is part of the catch. And praise God that Christ is still looking to catch fish of every variety. That is who is in his kingdom. God wants to catch all of you on the right, on the left, and everywhere in the middle so that we can all have fish for breakfast again. Let us pray. Holy God, thank you for your teaching of Scripture. Thank you for the memories of those resurrection experiences in Scripture and in our own lives that sustain us and make us realize that you, even now, are preparing a beautiful meal in your kingdom for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Again, this is Bryce Feitner, pastor of Green Street United Methodist Church in Hastings, Michigan. I'm so happy you joined us. If I can do anything for you, if I can pray for you, please send us a note. And um, we would like to do that. I'll benedict you with this little song. Love like your heart is on fire. Live like your dreams are true. Do what you can for each other. Remembering what he's done for you. Remembering what he's done for you. Go in peace. Christ goes with you. Amen.